guys. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Finally, right? Like, who would have ever thought that I would have a podcast? Not me. I mean, mm -mm. I remember when podcasts first came out and I was like, oh, this would be a great platform to use. But yeah, still didn't think that it would be something that I would use. But noticing how distant I have been from Instagram, I'm like, okay, podcast could totally work for me. I know for me personally, like I love listening to a podcast while I'm getting dressed and starting my day or while I'm in the car riding. Like I love being able to just feel like I'm being a little social <laughs> because I'm such an introvert. So uh, when I'm listening to the podcast, I'm like, I'm finding myself agreeing with them or like, what? Like you too? Like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one who did that or I'm laughing and it feels like I'm a part of a little community. So I'm like, hmm, I want my own little, you know, community where I can inspire people and motivate them and they can just feel like they know me a little bit. Um, Instagram with the algorithm and things, it's kind of hard to keep up. I know for me, I'm not really checking anyone's stories like that because I just forget or I don't see them firsthand. So at least with the podcast, like you will know when I'm dropping one, like you'll be able to hear from me and stay up to date with what's going on and get your dose of inspo or your dose of girl talk. Um, I do plan on having series where I'm interviewing people. Sometimes it may just be myself. Um, but yeah, like I just want to have fun. Like I want to have fun. Um, I want to invite you guys into my world a little bit more. So yeah, we're going to kickstart this episode one with just getting to know me. Who are you? Who is she? What does she do? That kind of thing. Let me answer those questions for you. I'm Angela Mullen Batson, okay? I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. I was born in Clinton, Maryland, grew up in DC for a little while, and then my parents decided enough is enough. I'm moving you to Baltimore. Why? Just kidding. Love my hometown. Um, so yeah, I have siblings, um, come from a very large family, like it's a lot of us. We're kind of deep. Majority of them are guys. Um, so yeah, me and my siblings are scattered out. I always knew that when I had my children, I kind of wanted for them to be closer together in age and all growing up in the same household, that kind of thing. I really did not think that it would come as early as the age of 19. I didn't know that that would kickstart it. But that's what manifestation does. You know, you don't know, but it will come to life eventually. Um, I met my husband back in 2004. Both of us worked at McDonald's, but we did not work the same shift. I had the morning shift. He had the evening shift. So I would only see him in passing. I only saw him in passing twice. Um, and then my last day working, I needed to use a phone. Y'all know how it is when you're trying to use the work phone and they want to get petty. No, you can't use the phone. This is a work phone. You need your own phone. Whoop-de-whoop. -whoop. I had my own phone, but my phone was dead. That's why I needed the work phone. But anyway, 
I saw him in the back washing dishes with his little swag. You know, he had his earbuds in. You know, he washing dishes in his own little zone. I had already been checking for him because he would come in just looking so fly. Well, as fly as you can look in a in a McDonald with McDonald's gear. But I'm saying he had his white tee on, you know, McDonald's shirt thrown over the shoulder, McDonald's hat on backwards. I was like, okay, you know, who is this guy? He's not from here. Can't be. He just looked out of place. But yeah, he didn't look like a Baltimore kind of guy, but which he wasn't like he's from Jacksonville, Florida. He had all these fronts in his mouth and stuff. So yeah. So long story short, um, used his phone. We chatted for a little, for a little while. He's like, where are you going? This is, I'm like, this is my last day. Oh, you're going to leave without giving me your number. No problem. Gave him like three or four. Yeah. My number, my cell phone number, house number, my sister house number. Because at the time I was at my sister's house a lot because my dad was injured on his job and my older sister is a nurse. So he was living with her so that she can take care of him. And I just didn't want to miss this phone call from this guy, no matter where I was at. So I had to give him all the numbers. You know what I'm saying? Um, that little piece of paper he still has to this day, um, which I think is super cute. So we played phone tag for a little while. We finally got in touch with each other, stayed on the phone forever, all night long. And we've been together since. We have four children together, Brent, Blake, Blair, and Brace. Brent is our oldest, super sweet, so humble, chill, like stays to himself, um, super athletic, very intelligent, um, mild-mannered, so calm. It's just the sweetest thing. He's 11. Blake my princess used to be the chubbiest little girl. Oh my goodness. The, the chubbiest little girl ever. Now she's a pencil. She's the tiniest thing. Won't eat much. Um, she loves snacking, but we definitely have to watch her snack intake. Uh, she's definitely the mom. I think the baby actually thinks he's that she is his mom, but whatever. He calls her Yaya. He knows her name is Blake, but he calls her Yaya for whatever reason, and she answers. But she is the biggest helper ever, um, definitely bossy, super tough. I mean, she has to be. She's the only girl, and she's in the middle of three boys. She has to feel like, you know, well, she has to be that mommy in that mommy mode sometimes because she's she thinks she's the boss, like... She has to run the show. She has to stand her ground. Actually, I, I'll, I'm not surprised that she's tougher than the boys. Um, then I have Blair. Blair is my surprise baby. Um, none of my children were playing, but Blair was definitely a surprise because I was on the marina with him. So I had no intentions on getting pregnant by any means. Um I tell the story of him all the time because I remember my sister poking me like, what, what's that? Wow, your stomach is hard. And at the time, I was in the gym heavy. I had just had a baby, um, what, six weeks prior. So I'm trying to lose my baby weight. I just got clearance to go back and work out. So I'm in the gym hitting it hard. And I'm like, I cannot lose this weight. So I go to the doctor and I'm like, hey, 
I need this marina taken out of me because I'm gaining weight. Like it wasn't that I was, yeah, no, I was gaining weight. I'm like, I can't lose weight. I'm gaining weight. This has to be it. Um, I just don't get it. She's like, okay, gives me an exam. She's like, it's as if your uterus is top normal. I'm like, what does that mean? I have no clue what that means. She was like, well, did it come out? I'm like, no, it didn't come out. I would have, I would have known if it came out. She's like, well, you sure it wasn't, it didn't come out in the toilet or anything? I'm like, no, it, I don't recall it coming out. She's like, well, it's as if your uterus is top normal. And it's as if you're pregnant, but, and she's flipping through her chart. And I'm like, hold up, sis talking crazy. You know, Caucasian lady. I'm like, what is she talking about? Is she just messing with me? Like, what's going on? She's like, I, I'm going to be right back because I know we took a pregnancy test. I know we did a urine sample and like drew your blood. Everything was negative. I'm going to be back. She leaves me in the room. At that point, my fingers are going crazy. I'm texting my husband. I'm calling him like, babe, this lady talking about my uterus top normal as if I'm pregnant. Like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then I can hear her in the hallway like, I need the sonogram room set up. And whoever she was asking is like, okay, well, I have a patient in room such and such. She's like, no, I need that sonogram room set up stat right now. And I'm like, hey, she just said that she need a sonogram room set up stat. Maybe she's not talking to me. I don't know what's going on. And in the door, she's coming in the door and I'm like, I'm gonna call you back. I'm gonna call you back. So I hang up on him. She's like, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and take you in the other room because I just want to do a sonogram to see if I can find the marina. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. So, you know, she come in real calm and stuff. We get in the room. She, you know, they put the little jelly stuff on my stomach, turns on the monitor, and baby, this boy is kicking and punching and moving all over the place. The biggest head ever. Like, I'm seeing hands, I'm seeing knees, feet, all of this. It's a whole baby on the screen, a whole freaking baby on the screen. She says, and I quote, oh shit. And I'm like, oh shit. So we both in there like, oh shit. I'm already seated. She has to take a seat. She's flipping through paper. She's like, how did this happen? Oh my goodness, what is going on? Wait a minute. Do you feel that? I'm like, no, I don't feel that. She's like, are you sick? Have you been sick? Like, have you had any symptoms? Like what? Like, you don't, you don't feel any of that? You're not tired? I'm like, yes, I'm tired. I just had a baby and I have a two-year-old at home. Like, what do you mean am I tired? And I'm a college student full-time and I work. Yes, I'm tired. She's like, oh my gosh. So she stands up, she goes to look at the computer again and she's like, look, the monitor. And she's like, I can tell you this. You really don't have much time to make any decision at this point. And um, this will definitely be your quickest pregnancy because you are four and a half months pregnant. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? What? Four and a half months pregnant? She was like, yeah. Um, I said, well, at this point, I mean, I see him. He's definitely moving around. And she's like, in. Well, I didn't say he, but I'm like, I see it. I know it's a baby there. I just, I I guess I'm moving on with this. Like, I can't, like, I can't go out like that. She was like, well, you can come back next week or in two weeks and I'll be able to tell you the sex of the baby. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. 
Um, she's like, I will also have to let you know that you are now high risk pregnancy. Um, unfortunately, we cannot take out the marina because if we try to take it out, it could potentially abort your pregnancy. So you will have to have the marina in the entire time you're pregnant. So every time I will go to the doctors, they're like, oh, are you the one with the marina? Oh, are you the one with the marina? Oh, you're the marina baby. Uh, do you know how annoying that is? And on top of that, it's like the marina will constantly move. So imagine having to go back and tell your husband, hey, I'm pregnant. He's thinking this little appointment is for me to get the freaking marina taken out. Like I was planning on taking it out, switching to another birth control. But to my surprise, I, I'm a whole four and a half months pregnant here. We got a newborn baby at home in a car seat. So, yeah. So Brent's birthday is April 10th, 2009. Blake's is October 9th, 2011. Blair was born October 11th, 2012. Let me say that again. So I have a 10, 9, 11 and a 10, 11, 12. Right. I had to go home and tell my parents that I was pregnant again. And we just came home from the hospital a few months ago with a baby. To my surprise, my mother thought it was the most hilarious thing ever because she thought I had like fibroids or something. Like she just couldn't understand why I just couldn't lose this baby weight. My sister thought it was hilarious because she's like, well, I did poke it and your stomach was a little hard. I didn't pay that any mind. In my mind, I'm on birth control. I've already had a child. This just isn't the case. So emotionally, mentally, I'm just a wreck. I am a hot, I'm just a hot mess. Um, because, and I think that this is probably when postpartum depression was kicking in because yes, I had a home, you know, we had our own home. We had enough space. Like that wasn't the issue. We were living in a three bedroom house in Baltimore. Um, we had just bought it. So we had the space like that was not the thing. The thing was that for me, I'm pregnant again. Like, and I just had a baby and now I'm about to have three kids. Like, honestly, it, I thought I was kind of embarrassed. Like I was kind of ashamed because I didn't know what people would think about me having so many kids back to back. I mean, yeah, that was always my goal was to have a lot of children. I honestly wanted six, but I just did not know that it would happen so early in my life. Um, so we had our third son. And to this day, he is exactly like he was when he was in the womb. Like he surprises me because he never moved. Like he was, I never really felt him. Even with knowing I was pregnant, it wasn't until like he, I was about to deliver where I actually felt him moving. And I feel like he has those same characteristics today. Like he's to himself, but you're going to know that he's there. Like some things I'm like, okay, this is, this gotta be that Marina. Like, is this that Marina? This, this my Marina baby here. Like, oh my goodness. Delivering him was hilarious because after he came out, we're like, okay, wait, we got to deliver one more thing. Where's that Marina? And then it's like, okay, the Marina's out holding on strong, whatever. Um, so yeah, couldn't really get a lawsuit going because 
I just fell in that like 0.1% of, you know, people who might get pregnant, but let my doctor tell it, my blood levels were not elevated enough to detect that I was pregnant. So basically I was told that I conceived on the same exact date that the marina was inserted. Um, yeah, so I have a marina baby. I have a surprise baby <laughs> from the marina. And then after the marina baby, well, let me stop calling him my marina baby. He's my blessing baby. After Blair, I had Brace, but Brace didn't come until years later, years later. Like by then we were already living in Atlanta, um, started over in a new state, like packed up everything from Baltimore, moved to Atlanta, new friends, new adopted family, and everyone's excited because baby number four is here. The final four. Um, my brown baby. Like all of my kids are light skinned. I always wanted like a little chocolate baby. Or, but he's not really chocolate. He's just brown. He's like a little brownie. Um, but I was so happy to see him when he came out. I think I actually cried and I was like, he's brown. And the nurses are like, okay. But, well, why are you crying about that? And it's like, I'm sorry. I just, I never had one. Like I have three kids. All of them are light skinned. And now I finally have a brownie. So I was super excited about that. I remember Brent would always get asked, and I would too, if we weren't together, they'd say, are they mixed? Like, is is their dad white? Or he'd get asked, is, is their mom white? Like, what's going on? Why are they so light-skinned? Yeah, so now I have a brownie. Um, so that's amazing. So that's our four, Brent, Blake, Blair, Brace, Team Batson. Because, I mean, we're deep. You know, they're getting older. They have their friends. So, oh my goodness, it's always lit like it's always a busy weekend we always have places to go they're active in sports so if they're not playing football they're playing basketball at some point I'm sure to be brace he might be playing baseball Blake has her activities but you know she's she's riding with us on the weekends um yeah team Batson in full effect uh aside from that let me see what else I can tell you about myself oh now, okay, fast forward, Brace is here. We're living in Atlanta, wardrobe styling. Hello, that's me, the wardrobe stylist. So I started my career in wardrobe styling um, one year into moving into it, moving to Atlanta. I come from a retail background, so retail is always um, home for me. So it was it was a breeze getting a job in Atlanta working retail. Honestly, they just put it in as a transfer. I worked North, at Nordstrom while I was in Baltimore. They transferred me to um, Perimeter Mall in Atlanta. And I did not realize how far it was from where we lived because we live south, like we're on the south side. So that's that was a hike. And when we moved here, we only had one car. Anybody who lives in Atlanta knows that, first of all, you need a car, period. Like you have to have a car to get around, especially when you're on the South side. Um, but to have only one car, it was, it was rough. We are 
I'm driving to work or my husband is dropping me off. He's coming to pick me up. Mind you, at the time, we weren't even married. So we, we've we been to... Oh, y'all, I got to give y'all so much tea. Woo, stay with me now. Stay with me. Um, at the time, we weren't married. But again, we've been together since 2004. So like we're operating as a married couple. We're doing what we have to do for our family. So my husband would drop me off at work, pick me up, three kids in the back seat. We only had a small little car, um, that same car we used to pack up whatever could fit in it to move from Baltimore. Um, He's taking me to work. I told myself, I'm not, I refuse to do here in Atlanta what I was doing in Baltimore. I felt like I was ready to move away from Baltimore because I'm like, it's nothing else for me here to accomplish. Like I have my family, I've graduated college. It's just, I just didn't like the energy. I, I've i witnessed so many deaths. Um, I've gone to so many funerals. I've witnessed a drive-by, in, well, not me personally, but my husband and son have witnessed a drive-by in front of my home. Um, it's just, it was just too much activity for me without me seeing the next level that I could go to. So I was, I was done. Like I was like, I'm ready to go. Like, let's just go to another state. My mom at the time was already living in Atlanta because she worked for Southwest Airlines and they took over air trans. So I was able to visit and just see what it was like. And I'm like, okay, this could be a home. Like this could be home for the kids. I can make it a home for me and it can, you know, I could be challenged. Like it's levels that I can reach here in Atlanta. So we sold our house in Baltimore. Actually, we didn't sell it. We did a short sale. Let me correct myself and give y'all these facts. Um, I couldn't sell it. I tried to sell it, but in Baltimore, nobody really has the money. Like, Nobody was buying houses at that time. With all due respect, the area that I was living in, it just wasn't, no one wanted to move into that, especially when somebody just got killed out, you know, in front. Um, But I don't, I don't know. Like, that's what I knew at the time. Like for me, I was able to adapt to my surroundings. Um, But I didn't want for my children to have to grow up in that area. So we shut down the house. Moved in with my dad, had Brace, I'm sorry, had Blair, waited six weeks after his doctor's appointment, and we moved to Atlanta with whatever could fit in a car. So now we're in Atlanta. Um, huh, we moved in with my mom. She let us stay there for, I think, a year. And it was such a humbling moment. Okay, you have to understand, I was 19 when I had my son. I was 21 when I bought my first house. I had been on my own and now I'm moving to Atlanta in 2013 um, with three children, three children and my man, like, and I'm living in my mama house. But we, we took a step back so that we could set ourselves up for where we are today. Like we wouldn't have been able to get to this beautiful season that we're in without making the sacrifice of what some may call humiliation. Like I didn't see it as humiliation. I saw it like, shit, I'm glad I got a mama here who got this big house, who can let all of us come in and stay with us, stay with her so that we can get on our feet. That's how I saw it. Um, 
So I'm working. He's in school to be a barber. Um, we we just making it work. Like we doing what we got to do for our kids. Honey, n- this is breaking news. No one has ever heard any of this. Okay. Uh, shoot. If my husband knew I was telling y'all, he might even be pissed, but I don't care. This is my story. This is my story. When we live with my mom, my kids had their own room. Um, my husband and I were sleeping on an air mattress, an air mattress. Like we were struggling, y'all. We didn't have no money. Shoot. I was working retail and I was a seasonal employee. I didn't have no money. I had just did a short sale on my house. I had people living there. I was a landlord. Nobody was paying that rent. I'm having to pay um, the landlord to manage it. My manager for the property, I'm paying her. Um, I had to pay the lawyer so that we can backtrack and get money from the rental property that was just failing because in Maryland, they don't care nothing about the landlords. They're all about the tenant. You know, they could care less about what I was going through. I think I evicted three people living in that house. And that's when I was like, you know what? This is too much. Get rid of it. The bank can take it. I I couldn't. Like, I'm not even living in that state anymore. It was just so many, it was just so many obstacles that I was facing. And I'm like, I have three kids. Like, I was at a breaking point. And then to move to Atlanta, I don't mean no harm. This This is a culture shock. Like, I'm from a city where everybody hustled. Like, everything around the corner, you know, is food. Everything is accessible. I have family. I have friends. Um, and I come from a large family. So to come to Atlanta and only have my mom, like it was rough. It was rough. It was depressing. Like I was depressed. This is when I hit depression. Um, I missed my dad. I had a group of friends who I thought were my friends, but they weren't friends. And when I think back now at this age, it's like, girl, they were never friends, honey. Maybe you was a friend or maybe you weren't the best of a friend, but you did the best that you could at that time. But they were never, let's be clear, they were never your friend. Um, And I think it's mainly because I was 19. I had a child. I had a family. I had a totally different lifestyle. So the decisions that I was making was, these were grown woman decisions like, OK, well, I ain't partying because I got a whole family here. And, you know, they're they're young, but they don't live that life. They, they Their mindset wasn't where mine was. So that already created division. Um, so moving to Atlanta and losing what I thought was friendships. So now it's like, oh, gosh, I'm alone. I don't have friends. You know, it's just it was just so many emotions. And I just had a baby six weeks ago. So it was a lot, it was a lot of depression. Um, I left working in retail because I'm like, shoot, this is too far. Like it's not even making sense. Let me find another job closer to home. So I started working. Where did I start working? Oh, I started working as a 911 dispatcher. I don't even, I don't even like the police. Like I'm just keeping it real. Like, so for me to work in a police station, trying to be a 911 dispatcher. And I'm say trying because I never made it out of my training. Um, I was doing it because I was depressed. And you know, when you have a family, you're going to do whatever you got to do to provide. 
even if that means working someplace where you don't want to work. Like, I need a check. I'm going to make more money here. Um, I'm going to do what I got to do until I can do what I want to do kind of thing. That's how I saw it. So as I'm in there working as a 911 dispatcher, I'm hearing all of these calls of, and it was around the holiday time. A lot of people know that the holiday times are bad for people, period. The suicide rates go up because people are lonely. People don't have family to share their holidays with, etc. So a lot of the calls coming in during the training were suicidal or was gunshots. And I'm in the Clayton County area. The police don't play in Clayco, okay? So it's a lot of um, pullovers, a lot of warrants. It was just a whole bunch of negativity. And I'm hearing it firsthand. But the one call that sent me over the top was a woman who was the same age as myself at that time. And she had three children, just like me. And she said, I can't do it. I'm done. Like, I can't do it. Y'all need to come get my kids because I'm about to jump over my balcony and kill myself. And it was just a lot. Like, I felt like, oh my God, I feel like this is me. Because at the time, I had my children in there. I was tired. I was lost. I was confused. I was angry at my husband. I was putting all of the blame and pressure on him. But at the end of the day, like we were a team coming into this. He's he's in the same space as me. Like he we're both trying to figure it out. But at that time, I felt like, no, you're the man. Like, get us out of this situation. Like, come save the day. But how selfish of me to think like that when he's 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 doing the same thing I'm doing, trying to figure it out, trying to provide, trying to set himself up to, you know, do what he has to do for his family, just as I. But I found myself um, in my room, just sleeping, sleeping a lot more uh, sad. I couldn't understand why I could wake up in the morning and already be sad. Like, why am I crying? And I just woke up. But it's like, I didn't even get to really see my children. I'm driving all this way to get to work. I'm spending more time in traffic than I am anywhere else. I wish I can call and talk to a girlfriend, but I don't have them anymore. Um, All the the fake stuff started coming about, you know, just messiness. And I'm like, this is just too much. I don't have time for the, the BS with friendships when I'm trying to really survive over here in a new space. Um... I would, like I said, I would sleep a lot. I would just be sad. I would cry. Um, I felt alone. I felt shut off. At that point, I didn't want to interact with anybody. I didn't know anybody here. So that wasn't, you know, odd for me to not get out and go places. I didn't even know where I was going. Um, And one day when I went back to work, I listened to a call and I passed out. And when I woke up, they were like, you just passed out. And I'm like, I did? What was happening? What's going on? Long story short, paramedics come. They take my vitals. Blood pressure's high. Everything's high. They're like, have you ever had a panic attack? No, I don't even know what that is. Turns out it was a panic attack. My mom ends up taking me to the doctor because I'm showing signs of a stroke. The right side of my body is like, my face looks weird. My My words are slurring. She's like, I'm taking you to the doctor. We're not going home to lay down. I get in the doctor. By then, everything is just a mess. I couldn't feel nothing on the right side of my body. 
paramedics are coming. The doctor's thinking I've had a stroke. To my understanding, it was not a stroke. I don't know what took place. I don't know. All I know is that I was trying to keep my mother calm. I'm like, ma, it's okay. I'm fine. Like, calm down. Like, it's okay. And the whole time the doctor is like, "Um, no, you're not okay. Something is going on. I need you to calm down. I need you to be quiet. I don't want you to talk right now. Um, I need you to just be calm. But for me, I'm that person that wants to take care of everybody. Like, I want my mom good. I want to make sure my sisters is good. I want everybody in my family to be good. Like, I'm that mama bear. But the doctor's like, no, you're not good. Okay, so that's when I was introduced to anxiety and depression. I was on medication to just get me a little bit more stable. Um, at From that point on, the panic attacks started coming. Like, I would have them frequently, maybe twice a week or so. Um it, it was just, it was a rough time. We By then though, we had moved into our own house. We were renting, which was nice. So the kids did have their own space. We had our own space. Um, it was a nice home, you know, little, what, three bedroom, two car garage, backyard. It was a nice first home um, being rented in Georgia. Uh, we never rented a home before, you know, in Baltimore, we had an apartment that we rented when I first got pregnant with Brent. I was 19. We rented an apartment. Now that was a nice apartment in Baltimore. I'm not going to lie. A little diamond in the rough. We had a little key card and everything. And if you're from Baltimore on Biddle Street, you know, that's a rough area. You know, granted, when I looked out my window, I did see the boarded up row houses, but honey, where I was at, my little building, my apartment was nice. We had a two-bedroom apartment for $500 a month with nice space um, and a walk-in closet, okay? So, yeah, we was doing pretty... We, we've always done well for ourselves living. I will say that. I was always the type of person to just take a leap of faith. Like, I didn't even have a job when I applied for that apartment, okay? I applied for that apartment and then I was like, shoot, I got to find a job because at this point I need this apartment. I need this rent that's $500 a month and I'm about to have a baby. So I got myself dressed. I interviewed at Johns Hopkins Hospital. Boom, got the job. And once I got the job, that's when I threw it on. I'm like, okay, and I'm about to have a baby. And then she was like, okay, well, you know what? After you have the baby, let me know and I'll have you start work. So, boom, I got my paperwork to move into the apartment because I already had my letter showing how much I make and that I do have a job. Granted, didn't have a check because I was pregnant. But guess what? My husband had a job, so we was good. Shit, it was only $500 a month. You can't beat that. He was working. I was able to stay home. And baby, as soon as I had that baby, I was in the hospital. Okay, and I sent an email to her like, okay, the baby's here. And she's like, okay, congratulations. Now, you know, when your doctor clears you, just let me know and you can start. But see, I didn't want to miss out on no opportunities. I didn't want nobody to forget about me. So I'm like, let me make sure I'm checking in and doing my part. At that time of having Brent, I was in college and I even went right back to school to take my exam. Like, okay, baby's here. Let me get back to work. You know, I never wanted me having children to be a reason why I didn't fulfill something. Like, 
that's not going to be the reason why I don't accomplish a goal. Me having children will never be a reason why I don't accomplish my goals. Because now it's not just my goals, it's me proving myself. Like, honestly, like I remember one of those people who you I thought was a friend. I remember her father saying, oh, well, there goes your life. I guess your life is over. And that's when it's like, you know what? No, I'm going to prove you wrong, you know? And I'm sure a lot of people doubted me. A lot of, he might've been the only person that was bold enough to say it to my face, but I can guarantee you that it was a lot of people out there, um, mainly adults who doubted me, who felt like, oh, wow, here she go. This girl then threw her whole life away, you know, having all these kids, babies, babies, babies. But yeah, no, in my mind, it's like, okay, I'm not going to be that girl. I'm going to be that girl who will still accomplish her goals. Like, I want to be the one where you can look at me and say, dag, she did it. Like, wow, she still got a college degree with all them kids. Yeah, I walked across stage pregnant with my heels on, went and held my two-year-old's hand and was holding my baby girl. Yeah, I'm going to still finish these goals. I'm going to finish college. Um, So I got an associate's degree. Wanted to pursue my bachelor's degree, which I did, which I was what I was doing while I was in Atlanta. Went to SCAD, got accepted into SCAD. So it's like my oppor- the opportunities were still here. Like I knew I wanted to be great. I knew I wasn't going to let me having kids be an excuse for why I didn't, you know, accomplish anything in life. I knew it was going to be rough, but I knew I would be able to tell my kids and my kids could look at me and be like, you know what? No matter what decision I make, I can still do what I'm here set on earth to do. I can still be successful. Um, so, yeah. So with now going fast forward again with the anxiety, I was getting help with my anxiety, but I knew that it was because of all of the changes I had gone through so quickly with being a mom. You know, I understood that, okay, Angela, you had a two-year-old, but then you got, you had your daughter. Then you found out you had another baby coming. And then you just up and left and went to a whole nother state. You lost all your, who you thought were your friends. Um, Now you're trying to meet new people. You're working so far away. You only have one car. It was just so much for me to take on that I couldn't handle it. Mentally, I couldn't handle it. I remember saying, God, if you are real, why are you even letting all of this happen to me? I was getting on 85, passing the stadium at the time. And I remember saying that to myself. And that's when life went downhill. That's when... It was like panic attack after panic attack. Oh my God, I'm hyperventilating. Like I'm passing out. I had thoughts of death. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. And I, that's what I mean by power. It's power in words. Like I felt like me making that statement was the invitation. It was like I opened the door for the devil. It was like the devil was like, woo, that's all I wanted to hear. It's my time to shine. Let's go. You mine now. No. Mm-mm. So with hard work, with the support of my mom, um, my husband, I was able to get out of that depressive state. Um, 
trying to teach my husband like how to help me even cope. Like he didn't understand what he, I mean, he's a black man and I'm not saying it like that, but you know, you guys know how it is in our community when it comes to mental health, especially for our black men. They don't, we don't really take it serious. We think it's just, oh, a thing that you can just get rid of, you know, whatever. He's like, it's just in your mind. Like you can control it. You can think of, but when he sees me in a full on panic attack mode, it's like, okay, all right. So this is real shit. So like, she's not playing. So she really does think she's dying. Like I remember telling him, I said, bae, please call 911. Like I'm about to die. Like, please, please don't. I begged him to not let me die. Like I never knew. I didn't even know what a panic attack was. And with all due respect, I guess I fell in that category of that black person who didn't know about panic attacks. Cause I just thought that was some white people shit. I'm like, panic attack? That's that white people shit. I don't know nothing about that. But no, that shit is real. Like, when you say you feel like you about to die, I, I don't even know. I mean, I've never died before, but that's as close as to death that I could feel like. If, if that's what it felt like, I feel like I've experienced like what it feels like to almost die quite a few times. Um, so learning how to manage my anxiety and things like that. At that time, I thought I was really taking it serious. But with all, in all, with all honesty, it wasn't until the age of 30, I really started taking my mental health seriously um, and paying attention to myself, getting to know myself, getting to know myself and um, just trying to heal heal myself of insecurities and wounds and trying to break generational curses and things like that. So while I was going through my depression and stuff, I was coming out on top. You know, I, I repented. I made sure I built a relationship with God again. Um, and things started looking up for me. You know, like I said, we were already living on our own. I was in college studying fashion, marketing and management. I went back into retail because I couldn't go back to the police department. So I went to Vince, which is a nice contemporary brand in um, Phipps Plaza. I don't even think they're still there anymore. Oh, actually, I was at Rebecca Taylor first. I was there. They have closed down. And then I got transferred to Vince. I was I got promoted and from Vince, I worked, I opened up the Diane von Furstenberg store here at the Lenox location. So all of everything was looking up. I'm like, okay, you know, I got my jobs. I'm making more money. I mean, still, it wasn't like a lot, but we were doing well. You know, we were doing well for ourselves. Um, My husband was a barber. So he's still a barber, but he was he finished school. So he was now working in the shop, building his clientele. We were growing together. We were doing well for ourselves and for our family. Um, Didn't really like the energy that I was getting from Rebecca. No, I'm sorry. Didn't like the energy that I was getting from Diane von Furstenberg. Um, That is when I first noticed like racism, discrimination, um, living in Georgia. I was like, okay, I am well qualified to get this promotion. I'm in school for this shit. I have a degree in this shit. Um, 
I have, I can run circles around these people. Like my, I was the top seller all the time. I was the top seller because I put looks together. I didn't just sell you something because you liked it. Like I'm, oh, sis, okay, now let's get these shoes. Now let's get this purse that's over here. Okay, and how about this bangle right here? You know, that was, that was me. So my UPTs, for people who don't know, units per transaction were high because I'm adding on to what they have. I would have like two people in the dressing room and I'm working it. They would get so upset at me. Angela, you know, can you finish with one person? Whatever. You know how it is in retail. Those of you who have worked retail with the caddy stuff, but a position open for a management level and I applied for it. So I did interview was successful with the first interview. And then the, I think she was the regional manager. She came down to interview me. Now, here's the thing. In my mind, I was like, okay, I love DVF. I've gone to their showroom in New York. I want to work corporate. So I'm thinking, okay, I can just, this, this will be where I work my way up. I felt like I was going to stay there for a while. Um, but to my surprise, the interview with the regional manager was the interview from hell. She looked at my resume and was like, oh, well, I saw that you only worked at Rebecca Taylor for this amount of time and then you went to Vince. Like everything about my resume, she was trying to tear apart. It was like, yeah, I went to Vince within six months because I was promoted. Like that's their sisterhood company. She's like, oh, well, why do you want to work for us? You know, it was just everything about it was so belittling. It felt like, it felt like she was saying, black girl, why you want to work here? Like, we don't want you on our corporate level. Like, you need to stay down here as a sales associate. And then when I look around, all of the sales associates were black. Everybody in management were white. When people came in to apply for management, they did not give them black. When black people came to apply for management positions, they were denied. They were only approved for sales position roles. Um, It was a friend of mine who was white. And she applied for the same position as I. They actually offered her the job. Now, I think I gave them a number that I wanted for my rate. And it was the same amount as my girlfriend, who was white. They approved it for her. But when I said that I wanted it, they told me no. They they tried to cheat me like $3. But see, here's the thing. I'm going to get into that. Okay, so... Let me backtrack. So she applied. They gave her the position. She has no retail experience at all. Like that was her first retail job. She tells me this firsthand. She's like, Angela, I'm just letting you know, I turned the job down for the simple fact that you had already told me that they weren't giving it to you. And you told me how much you asked for. She was like, they were going to approve me for that amount of money. She was like, but it just didn't even sit well with me. So I don't even want that job. Like, I don't even want the job anymore. I was so pissed. That's when I was like, you know what? I'm, I was done. Like I was clocked out. I was like, they tripping. They try to tear everything down that I've worked so hard to build. Like I deserve better. I was going on my lunch breaks. I was staying longer on my lunch breaks. I was just over it. I was totally over it. Um, Lo and behold, I met somebody who got a hold of um, one of the Georgia film books in the area. I got a hold of that and I just started applying. Like I just started reaching out to random people for assistant positions Um, because when I was at Vince, a client I was working with 
put a little bug in my ear saying that I should work in production. I should be a stylist. So that's the mentality that I went to DVF with. I was thinking like, okay, well, if I'm going to be a stylist, I might as well start here and start claiming it. So I had my little business cards. I'm passing out my business cards while I'm working, while I'm dealing with people in the fitting room. And then when I met the guy with the book, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to apply to these jobs and see if I can start working in the industry. Lo and behold, I did. I started working as a wardrobe stylist assistant. So when those checks started coming in, I was like, oh, the hell with DVF. I'm making way more money over there anyway. So I quit. And before I quit, she was like, well, we want to give you the job now. Oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. I don't even want it now. Like, don't come back at me trying to offer me a lower rate than you were going to offer the white girl over here. And yeah, so that was it for me in DVF. I haven't even shopped there since. I just didn't like the experience as an employee and seeing the discrimination um, amongst all of my employees, not just me. Everybody dealt with their own uh, situation with that. So I left DVF and I started working as a wardrobe stylist assistant. Mind you, I'm still going to school. Things are up and up. I'm getting a little, I'm happier now because I'm like, okay, this is the beginning. This this is what I meant by I'm not coming here to do the same thing I was doing back at home. I have not looked back since. I have not worked a retail job since then. And I think we were now into probably year 2015, 2015. So for maybe like a year or a little over a year, I went through hell. I went through an air mattress. I went through depression and anxiety. I went through almost losing my relationship with my fiance at the time because I was just so angry and so lost. Um, I went through not having any friends to now really starting my life all the way over. I started all the way over. Um, and I was, again, I was in school, but those jobs started coming so quickly. I was like, okay, um, shit, I got class. So do I turn this job down? No, I can't turn the job down. That, that's like, that's a lot of money to turn down. I got a whole family over here. Like I got bills now. Even though we was paying bills when I was with my mama, it's like, this is a different kind of bill. Like now it's bills like your kids and left these lights on all day. They didn't ate up all the food. You know, your water bill, you got a water bill. Like in Baltimore, we didn't really have a water bill. At least I don't recall. Maybe my husband took care of that. I don't know. But the responsibilities are different. Okay. Needless to say, the responsibilities were different. We needed money. We had childcare expenses. It was real. We didn't have anybody to fall back on. Like it was him and I in a whole nother state. We got to make this work. So it's like scared. I'll be back. You know, college, you're always going to be here. But right now I have to get my feet out here. I have to put myself out here and I got to just run with it. So ever since 2015, that's when I started working as a wardrobe stylist assistant. Um, I was working with a lady for four years straight as her assistant. Loved her to death still to this day. Um, she's taught me so much. Um, a lot of people say self-made. You know, yeah, I'd say I'm I'm self-made, but I'm self-made with one, the help of God. 
Like if it wasn't for God, I would not be where I am. If it wasn't for people giving me the opportunity, if it wasn't for me speaking up for myself and taking leaps of faith and being okay with my decisions, then I wouldn't be here. And it's funny because now as I'm an adult, I'm more afraid to take the leaps of faith. Back then when I was a kid, oh, I was taking leaps of faith all the time. Sis, you didn't took, you took three leaps of faith having these kids. You know, you apply for a job, you applied and got an apartment without even having a job. You didn't up and left your whole state to go live in another state. Like you've been taking a whole bunch of leaps of faith. But now that you're on your own, you want to just be more cautious. It's like, OK, you can't. Now is not the time to be cautious and afraid because now you're an entrepreneur. Now you are an entrepreneur. You have to constantly take risk. You have to constantly be okay with if you fail. So here I am now, wardrobe stylist, um, assistant, working on several different commercials. Um, oh my gosh, Georgia Lottery, Haverty's, Home Depot, Zaxby's, Georgia Aquarium, you freaking name it. I have done it. Like, the list goes on and on. So I'm finally in my zone. I'm like, yes, this is what I came here to do. It's no looking back. It's no going back. I'm doing editorials. I'm building my book. I'm networking. I'm like, I got to meet people. I got to like get in my creative space, find my aesthetic and just put myself out there as a stylist. Um, Even for a while, I never even gave myself the title as a stylist. To me, it's people will give it to me. Like people will say, "Okay, she's a stylist because they did. Or I'll go in stores and they're like, are you a stylist? Like you look like one. I can tell. But for me, I was just concentrating so much on like perfecting myself and figuring out, Okay, what lane do I want to be in or researching and people saying, you know, you got to pick a lane. And, you know, when you pick your lane, that's it. But by then I was also um, PAing. Like I started to get some production assistant jobs in the film industry. And then I'm like, okay, well, I know I don't like this. I need something different. And then I started being a buyer. So it's like, okay, now I got my hands in a lot of pots. I'm doing editorials and photo shoots. I'm getting published as a stylist. So, okay, I'm doing something right. I'm still working as a wardrobe assistant. I'm working as a um, PA. I'm getting a little bit of jobs as a buyer. Then things started moving quickly. You know, I'm now able to start getting some jobs as the key stylist. So I'm like, okay, shit, I'm really, I'm really on a, I'm really on track now. I'm a key stylist. I'm still uh, working in the production industry. I finally applied to the union. So now I can really be a buyer, which is what I always wanted. I didn't want to keep on taking the PA jobs, but because I was just a day player, I was able to like work when I wanted to. So I could do like a few days a week kind of thing. Um, And it worked great with me working around my commercials. So I had to realize like, okay, people saying that you got to pick one thing to do. That's on them. Like, sis, you a Gemini. This is when you get to own like your Gemini shit. Like, I'm going to do it all. Like, I'm going to work in editorial. I'm going to work doing my editorials. I'm going to work in the commercial world. I'm going to work in the TV and film world. 
I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do. Like that is my lane. My lane and what sets me apart from the rest is the fact that I'm versatile. It is the fact that I'm able to adapt to my surroundings and get the job done no matter what it is. I'm able to juggle many things because I'm used to it. Like I'm a mom of three, now a mom of four, um, up, you know, two and a half years ago, I had my fourth child, Brace. So like I'm able to get shit done. You know, in my mind, that's my, my motto is let's get shit done. I don't care what you got to do to get the job done. Let's get the job done. Um, so I'm able to do all of these things. I don't feel like I should have to limit myself by picking a lane, especially if I'm still in my element of styling. Like it's all related to styling. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm just perfecting my craft. Okay. It's not like I'm styling, but I also want to be a chef, but I also think I'm a uh, music artist and a nurse. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm just all over the place. I'm still in my zone. I'm still in my lane. So it took me some time to really be comfortable and own the fact that this is you. This is who Angela Mullen is as a stylist. You're a wardrobe stylist. You're a TV and film buyer. You're a personal stylist. Like you can do all of it. Like you can do whatever you want to do. You don't have to just pick one lane. Like whatever lane you want to be in, that's yours. Just own that shit. So that's that. Um, I think I covered a lot today. I didn't even think I was going to go in as far as I did with motherhood, being a wife, being a wardrobe stylist, being a TV and film buyer. And now here I am, I guess I'll just add to it, personal stylist. Like I have built a client base of my own personal clients because I love working with people. Like, yes, I love commercials. Yes, I love contributing to um, projects and productions that I can see on TV, even though I rarely watch television. But it's something about working with people one-on-one that I really get fulfillment out of. And I think that's why I enjoyed retail so much because I could work with people one-on-one. I think that's why I thought I wanted to be a nurse because I love helping people. So that's what I'm able to do when it comes to personal styling. I'm able to really build these relationships and ongoing relationships and see how they're developing within their personal lives and see how they're developing within their own careers and how they're, you know, able to be successful within their business because they feel they feel more confident and more powerful just because of what they have on. So I love personal styling. Um, I'm able to speak more openly and transparently about my experience with anxiety and with depression. So I speak to that. I'm careful of my words because I don't know if I might come across somebody who was like me a few years ago at their breaking point. You know, I'm just more uh, gentle and more compassionate when it comes to other people because I don't know what somebody else is going through. You know, I want to help people. I want them to feel good. I've never been that mean girl. Like, Honestly, I was the girl that everybody else was being mean to, like most of my life 
from elementary school. I could not understand why people in middle school would be hating on me. Like, what am I doing? Honestly, I wear glasses. Like, I'm kind of what people would think would be a dork. Like, I stay to myself. High school, middle school, I'm always to myself. I'm chilling. I'm going to work. I'm not going to the games or the parties. I'm going to work. I carried my journal with me because I was busy writing down my vision for my life. So I say that to say I love working with people. I I can work in a group setting. Um, I can adapt to whatever is being thrown at me because that's what I've had to do all my life. Like I had to adapt to my parents separating and now I'm living in two different households. It was fun. Not even going to lie. It was the best thing that could have ever happened. Um, I'm fortunate. I know some people when it comes to divorce and their parents divorcing, it's like the worst, you know, they felt like it was the worst thing. But for me and my sister, it was the best thing. Like we enjoyed uh, not hearing them argue. (laughs) We enjoyed having two rooms and going these different places. You know, they made it work. Like my parents get along so much better now that they have separated. But I say that to say, We've had to adapt to our surroundings. We've had to be able to deal with changes and just adapt to it. You know, having children, having a surprise child. It is what it is. That's life. Um, Now, at this stage in life, I'm just trying to stay centered. I want to stay centered, stay balanced. I have created this life for myself. My husband and I have created this life for our children with the support of our family. I totally understand that none of this would be possible without God. Um, So therefore, everything I do, every decision I make, I consult with him first. Um, I am driven by faith. I'm trying to take more risks. I'm trying to challenge myself more. I am she. I am Angela Mullen. Like, that's this podcast. She is I am. So I am going to live my life unapologetically. I'm going to live transparently I'm going to be vulnerable so that I can share my experiences. I'm going to share my testimony and my story with you guys. And hopefully it serves as some inspiration. Um, I would love for you guys to send me over your questions and topics. I want to get your feedback. I want to hear from you. I want to know who you are. Um, I may even start a Facebook group. Like I want us to hold each other accountable Yes, we have busy lives. It gets crazy. Sometimes we feel like nobody understands me. Who can I really relate to? They don't like they don't have the same lifestyle as I do. But I can guarantee you that something that I said has resonated with you. Some piece of my story, you can feel like, okay, that's kind of like me. Or maybe I felt like that. Or maybe I can take this. You don't have to be a mom. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast. I will be tuning in with you guys weekly. Um, So yeah, holla at your girl. I want to hear from you. 
Do you have any questions for me? Give me some feedback. Let me know what you're thinking. This is a judge-free zone. We are here to be transparent. We are here to talk everything womanhood, everything motherhood, everything love, our challenges. Like we're going to support each other. This is our social space, okay? I don't know about y'all, but I'm not going out to no clubs. I don't have the time. I get bored. Um, You might catch me at brunch, but I might not be able to meet all of you. So we might start a Facebook group and that's going to be our club, okay? Where we can chat and we can kiki about all of these episodes and so on and so on. But I thank you so much for tuning in with me today. And I can't wait to talk to you guys later. Bye.